Hello and welcome to Kingdom of Honor. I am the better half of this talkative duo. Uh, my name is Jeff. Alongside me as always, Shane Zanman Sabunia. And we are coming to you live on Spreaker, on lordsofpainradio.net, and also on YouTube. If you are listening to us on YouTube, go ahead, hit that like button, uh, hit the subscribe button, ring the notification bell, because we do this thing live twice a week. We do it every uh, Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Central Time for Kingdom of Honor. We do it every Wednesday night after AEW's Dynamite on TNT for Dynamite After Dark. And next week, we are actually going to do a live exclusive show where we cover The Mandalorian. But that's next week. This week, we are talking about a whole ton of stuff. We've got uh, an early early much too early uh wrestler of the year pick we also have our matches of the year so far five weeks into the year and bully ray as great as a, as great a heel as he has been throughout his career and as brilliant of a wrestling mind he has said something that uh both shane and i feel is stupid and njpw they had a thing shane they had a really really good thing uh brought us match of the year and brought us um arguably the best wrestler of the last four years in there against some sort of succubus that he has zero chemistry with. How's it going, Shane? What'd you, what'd you think well. of that? Yeah, that was, that was a, that was an interesting intro there, Jeff. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, s- since, uh, we were last on the air, I watched ring of honors ninth anniversary, or I think it was ninth anniversary show. Um, Oh yeah. The, and the entire fourth season of billions, the latest NXT, New Beginning in Sapporo. And I watched all of this while Jeff was looking up the mating habits of a fruit bat. So, it's It was interesting. It, there's documentaries and all kinds of stuff. You great? would be amazed at the greatness you can learn about a fruit bat's mating rituals. I would be. I would be very surprised. <laughs> so, what, so, so, you had uh, thoughts on that main event. I didn't watch it. Um, luckily, I saved myself agony because after the tag match, um, seeing Okada and uh, Ishka Jr., um, I had just had no desire to watch watch those two. Well, see, that surprises me because you're you're the one you're the one on this show that has been saying how much better um, Taichi has gotten and how you look forward to his matches and you actually enjoy his character work in his matches. Um. Here's the thing. Over the last two and a half years, I would say, maybe three, there has become, as great as Okada has been over the last eight years, there's been this formula that his matches have fallen into. You know, the formula where at the end, he can't hit a Rainmaker to win the thing. You know, he's got to hit... The, he's got to hit a clothesline, do a wrist clutch, hit another clothesline. Um, recently, you know, then he hits the tombstone. The opponent somehow counters the the rainmaker. He finally hits a jumping tombstone, and then he might hit two or three rainmakers in a row and finally win the match. And then, I mean, he threw a new wrinkle in there about a year ago, where now he's got the spinning rainmaker, which is really just a spinning lariat. Um, and you know, all of that is has starting to become kind of passe, in my opinion, kind of de rigueur. You know, it, it's just all run of the mill. And it made sense that all this stuff would happen because he was in there against guys like Kenny Omega and Naito and Ibushi and Sonata and Minoru Suzuki and Hiroshi Tanahashi. 
And then we came to yesterday's match. And Tai Chi. Two days ago, Saturday. No, it was yesterday. That you watched it. (laughs) Today is Tuesday, dude. (laughs) Oh, oh, it is Tuesday. You're right. Yeah, so so Sunday's match. Um, I'm used to us being on on Mondays. uh, (laughs) Obviously, we changed that. But, you know, then we we come to Sunday's match. This weekend's match against Tai Chi. And, you know, Tai Chi, like you say, has been improving over the last couple of years. He's, I, so he's still not great. He's still not somebody that I'm going to look forward to his matches. He's still not somebody whose matches I typically enjoy. But yeah, he's been getting better. But we're talking about a guy who has had a never open weight, two never open weight title reigns where he defended the title once each and lost. We're talking about a guy who has just recently rose up from the cruiserweights or the junior heavyweights about two, two or three years ago. We're talking about a guy who... You know, he's basically like like a cross between, like you said, Iska Jr. and maybe Suzuki Jr., where it's just, you know, cheating all the time. You know, he's still Bizarro Tanahashi to me, and I still can barely stand the guy. But regardless of my personal opinions on him, to see a guy at that level, and Okada, regardless of the fact that Okada was quote-unquote hurt or not, but to see Taichi being able to survive everything that Naito did, or Ibushi did, or Tanahashi did, or Omega did, or Sonata did. It's just like, why? How? How is this guy that's barely risen above the mediocre level in New Japan holding his own for half an hour, 35 minutes against the greatest IWGP heavyweight champion of all time by almost any measure? And I'm looking, looking at this going, okay, you know, Okada is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's been arguably the best wrestler on the planet for the last eight years. And, but he, even he can't make me buy this, this, you know, upstart of, of Tai Chi coming up. I'm sure Tai Chi's fans enjoy the hell out of it, but to me, it's completely unbelievable. Um, there was another, there was a match that, you know, Jeff and I saw about two weeks ago that other people had praised as being a great match. And we both thought it was, com- it was a complete dud. I'm not going to say this one was a complete dud. It still had its moments in it. But the way that everything progressed in the match, I just, it was such a distaste in my mouth that I just couldn't believe it. I mean, Tai Chi being able to survive, you know, to, to counter three or four Rainmakers and it to take two Lariats and a jumping tombstone, the spinning the spinning lariat, and finally an actual rainmaker to polish off. Goddamn Tai Chi? No. Just no. Well, this is one of the dangers you and I have talked about before. And like you, I watched just an unbelievable amount of wrestling. And one of them, the Ring of Honor 9th Anniversary Show, we're going to discuss. That's going to be exclusive for our Patreon members. So that'll hopefully be up tonight. Patreon.com slash King of Honor. I'll give you more details on that later. But you know, I watched a lot of the New Beginning shows. I kind of picky, uh, cherry picked the ones I could. I had my kid all weekend, so I couldn't watch. You know, eight hours of wrestling, and you know, I just I did watch the tag match um, with uh, Iska Junior and um, Suzuki against uh, Mox and Okada. And the one thing that I noticed from that match was that there just wasn't any chemistry at all between Okada and and Taichi. They um, 
they just didn't seem like they meshed at all. They didn't seem like they had good timing. They didn't seem like they were really on the same page. And it just got me zero interest in watching that match. I'm glad that I missed it because I would have been screaming at the top of my lungs because one thing that we've warned about for years and years, and now that Okada has been on that level for six, seven, eight years and had the battles he had, the only way for a guy like Taichi to appear to be a threat to him is to kick out of finishers, reverse finishers, because that's what all the great opponents that Okada has does. The problem is, is with Tai Chi, he is not that character. They should have maybe storytelling-wise, maybe he uh, should have stayed away from the Rainmaker, maybe used that only one time to end the match, or how about this? Go back to your heavy rain uh, finisher, which is a much more devastating looking finisher and get rid of the rainmaker altogether. Because clearly if a guy like Tai Chi can counter it and kick out of it, it's just not doing it anymore. Right. I mean, this is a, this is a situation where I felt like exactly what you just said, like this should have been a match where Tai Chi, you know, he's, he's valiantly, well, not valiantly cause he's goddamn Tai Chi, but you know, that he, that he's fighting, he's, he's pulling out every dirty trick in the book to try to win. And then, you know, he gets he gets hit with the tombstone, the one rainmaker, and that's it. Maybe he counters one rainmaker or something. But but not ca- counters, not it. kicks out. Right. Well he didn't kick out of a rainmaker. He kicked out of you know, the you know, the short arm lariats that aren't the that aren't the uh, rip, oh. the ripcord version of them. Okay. But it's still it's it's it shouldn't have taken everything in Okada's arsenal to beat Tai Chi, is the point. Not only does that lessen Okada but it also lessens every but every other person Okada's face for that championship over the last two years, and it lessens um, the championship really. It less you know it lessens the matches that the, that he's been in because because now if Taichi's going to have that same match against him, you know it, it's 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 really sad because Okada to me used to be a fantastic professional wrestler. And I'm not saying he's not anymore. I, 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 but he's gotten into this routine where it's almost like he's on autopilot. And, well, you know, you know, when we were growing up, Jeff, you know, you, you know, we would watch Ric Flair have his formula. We watched Hulk Hogan have his formula. And we knew how every single Hulk Hogan match was going to go, right? I mean, he would get beaten down. He would kick out of the guy's finisher or he would like power out of a submission hold, whatever you know, whatever was happening. He would shake off the the punches. He would wag his finger. He would hit the b- big boot. He'd hit the body slam, leg drop, one, two, three. And now I feel but like the, almost every Okada match ends exactly the same way. There's differences though. The biggest difference is that Hogan, Flair, Savage, they never you or Ultimate Warrior. They never used that formula against lower mid carders, exactly. Which is what which is what Okada did, um, and also I, I've been preaching about this now for you and I started doing this show what in fourteen, fifteen, end of fourteen or start of fifteen. Um, Our old so show, for yeah. now, yeah, and then I mean we took a little hiatus, but essentially for five years I've been preaching the same thing. This is the danger of the finisher kickout. 
everybody needs to when one guy does it the next guy either needs to do it twice or or they need to do it too so that they show that they're on the same level that the previous guy was and with okada this has now been happening to him for five six years where you get people like omega you get people like um tanahashi and white and uh um Sonata, who are able to kick out of this, well, now for uh, Taichi to actually look like a like he's competitive on Okada's level, he's got to do it too. He's got to counter these. He's got to kick out of moves that would normally put away a guy of his status, just put him away completely. And he, it, that's the danger of the finisher kickout is it keeps escalating. And now you've got lower mid-carters who are having to resort to the same kind of treatment that a Naito and a White get just so they look like they belong in the match. And that's and that has the exact same danger of the 50-50 booking that, that we hate so much, where yep, if everybody's too. 50 and 50, you know, if everybody's 500, then everybody's on the same level. And if even a guy like Tai Chi at that lower mid-card level can, can survive... All the stuff that we're, you know, that we're supposed to be amazed that Naito and Ibushi survive, and Tanahashi survives, and White survives, then everybody's at that same level, and right. that just should exactly. not be the case. You know, yeah, and that's you know, exactly. Another guy, it. another guy we didn't mention in that same class is Zack Saber Jr. I mean, he's had those fantastic two title matches against Okada mm-hmm. and survived that same stuff, and and I'm supposed to believe that Okada and, or I'm sorry, that Tai Chi and ZSJ are on the same level? No. I can't stand that. I don't know why that bugs me. But every time I hear ZSJ, it just drives me insane. Um, But that, I mean, that does bring me to another guy who we um, are going to spend probably a great deal of this show talking about um, because he went the opposite way. When he declared himself for the uh, heavyweight, you know, and the G1 and wrestled that grueling G1 tournament, he got his ass kicked almost every single match and that's will osprey you know he didn't transition his junior heavyweight into that heavyweight role and just destroy everybody because he's not a heavyweight yet he wasn't able to translate that into and and by doing the way that he handled that g1 made his year actually more spectacular because he was not this unstoppable force, was a, still able to put on five-star matches while getting his ass kicked. You know, so he's able to, he's able to do what I think Ishka, uh, and I, it's just, he, ever since he's taken out that iron glove, that's all he is to me is Ishka Jr. Um, but Taichi was not able to translate that kind of, that kind of feeling. I'm not saying that he should have gotten his ass just handed to him, but he never should have put up a 25 minute fight the way that he did. No, and if he and if he did, it should have been where he, where you know he caught up from behind. He jumped Okada to start the match, but it should have been to start the match, and then Okada way to I mean, either hit him with the rainmaker or beat him with a roll up, and that was that could set up something for down the road where maybe Tai Chi is, is building himself up, and we can finally believe that a match could happen. It's just way right. too early for us to be able to, 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 for me to believe this stuff. And, you know, the announcers did a great job of trying to sell it. Like, um, Okada was attacked the night before. He, he may not even be able to wrestle. 
and Tai Chi's been waiting for this match for nine years now, ever since he beat Okada and they were when they were both young lions and they both went off and and he came back and Okada, you know, challenged Tanahashi out of the blue and has been the rainmaker ever since. And all of that makes a lot of sense that, you know, that Tai Chi would be motivated and Okada was down because of the because of the night before and being jumped from behind. But the problem is the two guys didn't sell that. <laughs> the announcers did. No. But Tai Chi didn't wrestle any different than he normally does. And Okada sold the neck occasionally, but it wasn't like he was writhing on the floor holding his neck and back the entire match like he w- should have been if he was after the attack that happened the night before. And it's just... I would have I would have much preferred if Tai Chi had lost by roll-up or, or won through devious means rather than surviving all that he survived in in my opinion unbelievable fashion yeah and and that would have made more sense um from a storytelling point that would have made more sense just in, and that's kind of I, what i was trying to osprey reference that i the, the way he did but he's gone out and he's had some pretty good matches against heavyweights um with his match and uh you know things like that now he's positioned after that year of learning um, now he's in a position where if he goes out in this G1 and puts on a performance that could maybe make him uh, possibly one or, or go very far into it, he's now in a position that's believable because a guy like Osprey getting his butt kicked the way he did, he was able to learn from that and be better off for it. Where Taichi, there's just nothing. There's nothing. I, you know, it, and it did show, and, and you know, it did agree that, you know, we already pretty much had halfway through the year, Osprey pegged as being the the front runner for rest of the year. You know, yeah. he, he'd had he'd had the great matches at Wrestle Kingdom and New, and the New Japan Cup. He had that great match against um, um, Jeff Cobb at Supercard, G1 Supercard, then he had the great run through the best of the Super Juniors. But it really was his matches in the G1 showing that variety that he could wrestle and still pull off that endorsed further his resume to be the wrestler of the year. Right. And now, like you said, I mean, he's... I don't expect that he's going to go in the G1 this year again <coughs> and... I mean, excuse me, he is going to go into the G1 again this year. What, what, I don't expect he's going to go in the G1 and completely dominate. This year, I think he had no. three wins in it. Next year, he'll probably have five. Or, I'm sorry, the coming year, he'll probably have five. He's not, it's not like he's going to go from two wins in the G1 to being the in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom next year. You know, bring him no, and, I... and, and he's going to improve his wrestling his record as a heavyweight. Maybe he'll get the Never title again. You know, something like that. He's not, but it's, yeah, it's not going to be where all of a sudden he's challenging the top guys and almost beating them. I don't believe he'll win the G1, but I could definitely see him in the finals and having it be believable. Where he had been in the finals last year, even with the amazing run he was having, for him to heavyweight and go to the finals of the G1, that just, that would have done more to hurt him than anything what he did was he went out there and he put on gutsy performances and took his ass kicking like a man and learned from it 
so now for him to go out there and take what he learned last year and maybe make it to the finals or you know maybe be tied for the leader at the you know, end of the block the block whatever that would make sense and I would be okay with it because that would be something that he would have deserved. Right. I mean, he maybe he might even get the kind of the kind of look this year that ZSJ did. I'm sorry, ZSJ did two a couple of years ago. Where, <laughs> where, Asshole. <laughs> where he won the New Japan Cup and then he tied for the top spot in the G1. Or, G1 or even a run like. Or a run like Sanaz had the last few years, right? Right. Where and, he's and, had you know, very you, impressive. You know, maybe runs. Osprey will get in the finals of the G One, sorry, the New Japan Cup, and then and then be, you know, up there up there amongst the leaders in the G One, something like that. It's it's going to be a slow build, but I I do think eventually he'll be in that top four five spot. But he's also not walking into a, against the um, face of the franchise and putting on a. Um, a showing like should be reserved for people much much higher on the card than him, like uh, Tai Chi did. You know, and that brings us to uh, to ZSJ and um and uh, Osprey in the who put on probably I would say my number three match of the year so far. I think I've only got two matches that are ahead of it. Yeah, I was thinking about that this afternoon too, and I th- and I think that's where I landed too. Is that it's it's my third favorite match of the year. Uh, that it was just it was phenomenal. It, it was they. That is you know, and we can kind of tie in our wrestler of the year too, because Shane and I had a pretty decent discussion about this earlier. Is he he was like, well, who would your your your, your top five be? And honestly, it's too early to have a top five, but if I were to put anybody in a top five and definitely at my number one spot and definitely my wrestler of the month, it's Osprey. Will has had two, we're, we're five weeks in. He's had two five plus star matches. Exactly. Which is just, it's just, I, there's nobody on his level. There's nobody. And I mean, granted he's been in there against two amazing wrestlers who deserve credit too. And ZSJ had, you know, five and a four star match. We've had, um, Takahashi, who's just been on fire since he's been back, so he, and a five star, five plus star match against Takahashi. It's not like he's been in there against Schleps and and elevated him, but he's been in there against people that he's been able to work two different style matches now, and give us two five plus star matches, and two matches where we, where we felt emotionally connected the entire way through both of them too, and not just to him but to both wrestlers. Right. The stories, and that's you know that's credit on him. He's going in as the babyface. He's going in as the one that um, you know everybody's rooting for. And we've been emotionally invested in both ZSJ and Takahashi at the same time. Not talk, yeah, Takahashi at the exact same time. We've been just as invested in them. So when ZSJ and Takahashi actually end up winning the matches. We're just as emotionally invested in those guys winning that match as we are as, as in the performance that Osprey is doing. And Osprey has looked damn good in defeat two straight times. And, I don't you know, know I that there's a better wrestler on the planet right now. I really not. don't think there is. There's not. There's not as far as in-ring, an in-ring There's not a better performer. in-ring performer on the planet today than Will Osprey. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. You know, I mean, I... And... 
you know, I, I, I know that I am completely biased in, in what I'm about to say, but the, the, only, the only person that I see on the WWE roster right now that can, that can compare is Shayna Baszler. And then, you know, and, but then I look, you know, in New Japan, you've got, you know, Jay White, you've got Sonata, you've got Okada, you've got Naito, but I still think, and, Z, and ZSJ, but I, I still think... I hate you. <laughs> I still think Will Ospreay is far and away the, the top, you know, top performing the planet. And I know you're going to say Johnny Gargano, um, and I know you're, you know, but you know, you know my issues with him. And you know, yeah, and and, and, and you know, t- and Tommaso Ciampa, I just need to see more of him being backed before I put him back in that level. I just, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him take on Adam Cole because I want to see is Ciampa really still at that level he was before injury a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago. I, was. I think what we've seen from him has proven it. I think he's improved on the mic greatly. Um, and I, I just this tweener role that he's doing, I like so much better than his straight badass heel role that he did. Uh, but then again, I've always been more drawn to the tweeners anyway, the anti-hero, anti-heroes, and all that. And um, you know, we'll get to more of that in a little bit. But you know, there's also guys like Cody who had, you know, he had a five-star match against Darby Allen. He's been on fire on the mic ever since, ever since that match. You know, Darby Allen had that five-star match against Cody to start the year, and then he had a four-and-a-half-star match against Pac. He had a great performance last week in that tag match against the Inner Circle. You know, I think Phantasmo was the highlight of the junior tag match at Wrestle Kingdom, and every time I've seen him since, he's had unbelievable character performances. He's in my, you know, he's in my list too as far as, I don't want to say top five, but he's definitely in top ten and making an argument if he continues the way he's going. His match against Gabriel Kidd, you can't take anything away from Gabriel Kidd because Gabriel Kidd is, for people that don't know who Gabriel Kidd is, he spent a lot of time in Europe, a lot of time in Rev Pro and Defiant. Um, When Defiant folded, he decided instead of going to NXT or, or NXT UK or taking any kind of big contracts, he threw everything against the wall and said, you know what, I'm going to Japan, I'm going to go to the, the dojo and I'm going to start over from scratch. And during his match, they talked about what a guy like Kid has to go through when entering the dojo. The dojo is for people who are learning to wrestle. They go in there as 17, 18, 19-year-old kids. They learn the basics. So when Gabriel Kidd, a guy who's, you know, he's only 22 years old, 22, 23, when he goes in there and he has seven, eight years of wrestling at a high level behind him, that literally gets thrown out the door. And he's down there on the mat learning how to take bumps again like he's a, like he's a rookie. You know, so for a guy of Gabriel Kidd's stature to, to throw everything against the, the wall like that and say, you know what, to hell with it, I'm going to go start over, that's, that's a lot for his character. Well, you know, you and know for, you did uh, that, right? I, I know um, Ju, uh, Juice Robinson did that, too. Yeah, I was going to say Juice Robinson did that, too. There's another guy that did that, too. I can't remember his name, but it just says a lot about their character. And if Kid comes out better than he was going in, he's somebody to look out for for a long time in New Japan. But I thought I felt like his match against against um, Phantasmo on night two in was, were they in Socorro on night two? Sapporo. 
Sapporo. They were in uh, Osaka the night before, right? No, they were both nights. So Osaka's this coming. This oh, they were. Sunday. Okay. They well, the second night in Sapporo, I I actually felt like that match that Phantasmo and Kid had was really really well done. I mean, that was a good three and a half to four star match in my book. I thought they both played their roles perfectly. I felt like Phantasmo got himself even more over as a heel than he's been before. You know, and of course there were some fantastic lines that came out of that with the whole um would you join Bullet Club or Chaos? Come on, be honest. You know, would you rather hang with Folly? Oh, I love Folly. It was just some classic lines delivered by Gino and, and Kevin Kelly. I, I that I really enjoyed that match. I really did. Yeah, it was good. But you know, I I I feel like you talk about Phantasmo as if he's like the greatest thing since sliced bread. And no, Will Osprey and, and, and when, is. And when, you, and, when you, and when you put him in that class so often with, with, so, with so little to his resume this year, granted it's only the five weeks into the year, but it feels, you know, it feels like to me like that song we were talking about when uh, we came on the air where you know, if you keep bringing up Phantasmo or, or like you did with Marty Skrull last year when he's got so, so Marty little Marty Skrull was two years ago. It, then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna like like kind of like want to start puking every time you do, you do that. <laughs> no, Marty Skrull was two years ago. <laughs> that was two years ago. That wasn't last year. Last year I I think you I was him more in love with that. You last year and he didn't do anything last year. Did I? No, I didn't last year because last year we didn't do it. We just kind of briefly threw out our you know top few wrestlers of the year. Ended up on landing on Osprey and Kelly. Uh, it's possible. I don't remember. I I don't remember last week. And, and to, to me, Marty Skrull, like he had he had that great match against Aldis. He had that great ladder match at G1 Supercard. But those were both in the first four months of the year, and then nothing else since then. Well, and that's just what I'm saying is right now it's really too hard to call. And if if I'm going to go off best performances I've seen, you know, Cody's in there just because of how great he's been on the mic, and you've got to throw MJF in there too. Same reason MJF hasn't had. Has MJF even wrestled this year, other than his little roll-up against Diamond Dallas Page? He's had a, he's but had, he's yeah, been... You know, he, he won that... Wait, was that was that the end of last year? I was going to say the Diamond, no, that was, won the Diamond Ring. Yeah, that was the end of the last year, wasn't it? Yeah, that was yeah. that was last year. Yeah, but, I, I mean, he's, he's I, been... I can't, I can't remember him having a singles match yet this year, but maybe he has. He's been on fire on the mic, just like Cody. It, Cody has that one match against Darby Allin that... Uh, was great especially for a tv match it was really great you know and then you've got people like omega who's had fantastic matches but they've all been in tag matches so we haven't really gotten to see what he's capable of um or what he's where he's going this year how he's going to be in those matches because all he's done tag matches but he's been on fire in his tag matches so it's five years in it's really too hard to really say this uh, what a top five or top ten would be. I mean, we kind of talked about it today. Five years a long time, dude. Five weeks. <laughs> Jesus. Five <laughs> weeks into the year. Um, you know, you've got... We, we can both agree that Osprey is the best wrestler on the planet right now. He's had two five-plus star matches. Nobody's been on his level. And he's done them both in losing matches where... Even though he's in there against top-notch performers, we felt just as great that Takahashi won it as Osprey's performance. You know, and same thing with ZSJ. Uh, 
you know, ZSJ had, had that four star match at Wrestle Kingdom. He had this five star, five plus star match against Osprey. Naito had um, that five star match against Jay White, and then a four and a half star match the next night against uh, against Okada. Okada had that five 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 plus star regard, match against Ibushi, and then that four and a half star against Naito. You know, you Jay are White so had wrong that, about that still. About what? Naito and Okada is the match of the year so far. We've discussed this thousands of times, not in my book, and that's what makes it so you're great. still wrong about it. <laughs> it. That's wrestling subjective. I personally liked, um, if, if I had to pick my match of the year so far, it would have to be uh, Osprey versus Takahashi would be my number one right now. And nothing has changed it. Nothing has come to that level of emotion that I felt during that. You know, before, before we get too far too far into the into the weeds on this, it is something we definitely want to talk about. But I also want to say that there was another match that happened this weekend that's also in my top five rest matches of the year so far. You know, and I'm and in order to say that, I'm I'm going to first list off what my top five is this year. So see, and I only one, had one from this weekend. So number one, I already said was Naito versus Okada. Number two is Will Ospreay versus Haruma Takahashi. Number three is Will Ospreay versus ZSJ. And number four is Eddie Edwards, Eddie Edwards versus um, Michael Elgin from Hard to Kill. But Yeah, that was two that was two weeks ago that wasn't this weekend. No. It's three but, weeks ago actually, wasn't it? But my fifth favorite match of the year so far is Hiroki Goto defending the Never Openweight Championship against Shingo Takagi. God, that, that was a great match. Kicked ass. That was a great match, and that that's in my top ten. I don't know if it's in my top five, but I mean, my top five is uh, Takahashi Osprey from Wrestle Kingdom. Um, then I uh, I had this all laid out earlier. I'm just going to not give them in any order, but it's uh, White versus Naito from night one. Um, Okada Ibushi from that one, uh, Osprey match that we just saw against ZSJ, and then for me right now it's a toss up if we're allowing tag teams in this because it's so close into the year DIY and Mustache Mountain. If we're not, that fatal four away from when uh, Devlin won the belt on the cruiserweight belt would be my number five. Yeah, I had a hard time not putting that one in there too. Um... But, and it de- know, it depends. I mean, if we're going tags, that DIY mustache mountain was a perfect damn match. I, yeah, I that's easily a top. We, what we've done in the past, though, is we've done you know our, we've done our tag team separately. So I thought we could talk maybe talk about that in a couple of weeks to see. Oh, okay. You know, well, then over. then I'm going that fatal four way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah and, and, that's, and, and that's some of the other my top ten too. It, it, you know, some it, of the other ones too. Some of the other ones too that aren't in that top five. I mean that I absolutely love the Cody uh, Cody versus Darby Allen match from the first episode of AEW this year. I love the that Shingo Goto match, which is hard for me to say because I've never loved a Goto match ever in my entire life. Um, I love that. Uh, oh geez, I just had it. Um, Oh, the Eddie Edwards Michael Elgin match I thought was fantastic. Um, I, there was another one from this tour. I don't know if it was this tour, or if it was Wrestle Kingdom weekend that I absolutely loved too. 
But three of my top five are in that um, are from Wrestle Kingdom Night One. That's that's why I hold that first night so much higher than I do Night Two is because three of my top five matches so far this year were on Night One. Right, and, I, and they I were understand. back to back. They were all back to back too, which was even more depressing and hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I and I would put and I would put White's you know White's two matches at Wrestle Kingdom and Ibushi versus Okada you know you know right after my top five, and then that Fatal Four Ways in there too. And let's see if I'm going to do top ten, so that would be that be one more. So I'll throw the Women's Royal Rumble in there. If we're going to count that as a not sure not sure how we're going to do that, but yeah, I mean we'll figure it I, out. But but I, but I love that Women's Royal Rumble. So yeah, I mean my singles matches right now mainly all of them are coming from from new japan it's every show they put on has had one shingo goto which is was phenomenal you had uh two osprey matches the only two osprey matches you know that's my one and three i lo- absolutely loved okada versus Kota. i thought that was just fantastic um jay white versus naito i thought was the best of their little series um even better than last year's little character performance that they had i thought this one was better done in the ring you know, I just this is this seems seemingly is New Japan's year. AEW has is putting on some fantastic stuff, but they've got a lot of work to do to catch up to what NJPW has done so far this year. Yeah, and 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 really, I mean, honestly, they've got they've got a big show coming up. You know, I, I'm expecting we already know, we already know we're going to get that emotional battle between MJF and Cody. You know, it's not going to be a technical classic, but it's going to be a, a hell of a war. And you know, and and sometimes that's all you need is a hell of a war between a couple of guys. You're going to have that world title match between Moxley and Jericho. You're going to have most likely Page and Omega defending against the Young Bucks. Yeah, and that's then, where I was going with that too. And then you know whatever. Um, Rio and Britt. Yeah, Rio and unfortunately, Britt and, and, and or maybe it's, maybe it'll be Rio and. Uh, uh, what's her nuts? Um, um, Nyla Rose. The hot. Um, but but you know that, then and then I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll get something with um, with Pack as well. So I mean, I, it's just, and we'll probably we'll probably end up having Janela versus uh, Sabian too on that. Maybe a three way with Triple or with Joey Janela involved. Or I'm sorry, Janela and Sabian maybe. Um, yeah, probably Janela and Sabian. You know, Darby Allen will be on there somehow. Right. So, so you know, I, th- I think we got. We have, you know, that's going to be a great show. But whether it, whether it can challenge New Japan for match quality, who knows? I, I, it's hard to say. I mean, it, it really is. There, there's so many top flight wrestlers, and it seems like everything they do is is match of the year quality. Um. Every single, almost every singles match I've seen has been match of the year quality. And, you know, and then, you, and remember, the, remember next weekend we have coming up the you know their big show for February, which is New Beginning in Osaka, and two of the big matches on there are the well, actually three big matches. There's Moxley defending his his U.S. title against Minoru Suzuki. There is the world title match between. Naito, world, world and Intercontinental title match between Naito and uh, your boy Kenta, and 
And then you have also Jay White against Sonata. God. Just unbelievably great matches. Yes. You know, and then G.O.D. winning the tag belts back. Kind of disheartening. Um, What do you think? What do you think about LIJ? They've only got two titles left to go before that stable has them all. Do you think they give them the tag belts, the heavyweight and the junior junior tag belts, and and just give all the gold to LIJ? I didn't even realize that. You, you know what? You know what's what's most disheartening though about um, about God winning the tag belts back is that we looked like we were primed to have a great tag division for the first time. You know, we saw, we saw Goto and Ishii. We saw Shingo and evil. We saw, of course, juice and Finley were the tag champions. And then we saw that new team formed between Tanahashi and Ibushi. And, and I realized that, yeah, Ibushi got sick with that, um, something Weiss disease. I can't remember you know, it's something about like making him dizzy and, and things like that. But you know, he's he's better now and on the right track. I don't know if that's why there was this quick title switch or you know what the deal is with that. But you know, it looked like we were primed to have a strong tag division and and that we were finally gonna 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 get a, a bit of a break from God. But now again, even if one of these other teams wins those tag titles. It's going to be another match where God is involved in those in those tag in a tag title match, and I don't know. And it's been you know two years since that hasn't been the case. Japan is not big on their face versus face, heel versus heel style matches. So having God win the titles, if they're going to have Tanahashi and Kota challenge, makes sense. But it was. But it, was, it sucks, but it makes sense. <laughs> but that's not. But that's not who agreed. Who agreed to the matches? It, it was. You know. It. It was. No, I know. You know. It. It was Juice and Finley that agreed to accept the challenge of Tanahashi and Ibushi. And had Kota not gotten sick, I think that's what would have happened. It's just that he got sick, so they pulled an audible and gave it back to God. Which is very cryworthy. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I'm. I'm sick of God being the heavy, being the you know, heavyweight title holders. But I would love to see maybe Evil Sonata team up again and have uh, Takahashi and Bushi go after the junior and just have all the gold in LIJ. I think I don't think we've seen a stable hold all the gold since DX did it. Yeah, we don't need that to happen. Um, I would love it. I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see more than Tetsu and Shingo two belts. The other thing is that this is the third straight year now where G.O.D. has lost the tag titles at Wrestle Kingdom to the uh, World Tag League winners. And then they either won, they won the title back on either the second or the first or second title defense of the tag champions. No, Sonata and um, Evil, their first run, held it six months. But it was, yeah, but remember Evil was hurt for like, like two or three months of that? Oh, possibly. I guess I don't remember that. I just know that they lost it at Dominion, granted to back to G.O.D., but... Which was exactly my point. They lost it back to G.O.D. in their second defense. Yeah, all right. 
Makes sense. Still disheartening. I'm it not going to lie. It sucks. You know, the other thing we wanted to talk about, you know, and, and Jeff touched on it briefly, was the... was uh, not my dogs barking. <laughs> They're probably more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> but was, was Bully Ray's comment... Um, this week, and I think, it, and I think it was some of the stuff we talked about tonight actually kind of leads into that. Um, but Bully Ray's comment on his show Busted Open that professional wrestling still needs the heel versus face dynamic. And my position and, and Jeff's position has been basically that no, we don't need a heel, heels and faces. We need antagonists and protagonists. And yep. anybody should, and anybody who is a real life true to themselves character should be able to fill either of those roles at basically any time. And I think, you know, some of the stuff that we saw this weekend, you know, it was, was great in a sense, great character work. Like I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Tai Chi and I, and I didn't like the way that that match played out. I, I made that clear earlier, but Tai Chi is could still be considered to be a compelling character for those who are willing to buy into his story, who are who are fans of, of Tai Chi, because here's a guy who, yeah, he's a bad guy from my perspective. He's a bad guy from a lot of people's perspective, but he also kind of had a point where he was the one that was overlooked when he was the one that when he had beaten he had beaten Okada right before they both went on excursion, and yet when they come back. And he was the one that was supposed to have the higher prospects. Okada's the one that wins the title. Okada's the one that goes on to superstardom. And so now he wants his revenge because he feels like his career was robbed from him. On the other hand, we have two guys that are two other guys that are flip sides of the same coin in ZSJ and Will Ospreay. You know, they're both fantastic wrestlers. They're both fantastic British wrestlers. Osprey is a phenomenal aerial performer who has learned to adapt his style to the ground. ZSJ, or I'm sorry, ZSJ, is... I hate you. <laughs> ...is a wonderful submission performer who also is a great technical wrestler and really knows how to, you know, put that, put things together to, to make his opponent stretched out in fantastic ways and both guys are obsessed with being the British heavyweight champion the difference being that that while ZSJ has become almost synonymous with that title Zack Sabre Jr. has been the greatest British heavyweight champion of all time Will Ospreay has yet to even get a taste of what it's like to be that champion and and I just and I think that you know those stories that we that we saw play play out is like yeah ZSJ is a jerk ZSJ is a bit of an asshole, but he also has that confidence because he has been that guy, and you know it's he's easy to root for in that sense because you know he's a winner, and he goes out there and he performs every time out. And I, I think, and I, and I don't think there's anything, and I don't <clears throat> think that him being a out and out heel would have made any difference in that match. It's still simply two guys going out there kicking each other's butts and and uh, ZSJ stealing from the jaws of defeat and Osprey 
filing yet again to his nemesis. The thing I like about ZSJ's performance, too, is he um, showed some of that not necessarily high-flying, but his athleticism and speed, which is not something that's been really commonplace with a ZSJ match. But against Osprey, he stepped it up and showed that part of his game, which made the match even better. Yeah, And, th- and those <clears throat> brutal kicks he was doing to Osprey, too, were just like... Oh, Osprey God. could not avoid those PKs. No, he couldn't. And they, they look they look brutal. Yeah, they did. Almost as brutal as the as the word ZSJ is to your sense of oh, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean uh, Bully Ray, I'll give him credit. He is one of the most brilliant wrestling minds ever. Um he's he's had two phenomenal heel runs. Uh, his run as the leader of Aces and Eights in that uh, TNA uh, heavyweight t- champion was one of the best heel runs of, of you know the past decade. And, and then he had that great run in Ring of Honor where he was... It, I didn't like seeing him in the ring, but his mic work was beyond amazing. Everything he did was was fantastic. It was just... it was a, he He was very good. So... You know, you get a guy that's that respected, a guy with that brilliant of a mind, to say something like that almost hurts because it seems more like he's living in 1999 than modern day than the modern day world. The modern day world, we don't care about who's a, a dastardly. We don't. It's not like it was in the 70s and 80s where we bought into the characters who were evil as actually being evil. Now we know their backstories, and seeing them badmouth the, uh, the other guy's mom or hit on their wife, that stuff just isn't as believable as it would have been in 1995. So we don't need that horrible heel. A tweener can come out and do the same stuff. He can play the protagonist. They can have a blood feud and attack each other in the back you know, and let the fans decide who they want to cheer for. You know, we and there's been so many antiheroes throughout history that have been able to pull that off. Both The Rock and and Steve Austin, they weren't faces, they weren't heels, they were antiheroes. That's what made them so popular. Was once they became that antihero type character. That's what DX was. DX wasn't a, they weren't a face faction. They were heels through and through. But once they started getting cheered. They maybe eased up a little bit on their on their heel tactics, but they were still dirtbags. Lij is a perfect example of that. Now, these guys are not good guys, but they're cheered. They're the antiheroes. They're the ones that aren't the faces that is chaos. They're not the heels like Bullet Club. They're the guys that are in between. And they can go against anybody, and that's what this world. I mean, and it, you know, here I'm saying that when two of my favorite characters are just complete douchebags in Jay White and Sammy Callahan. So, but I I don't know if Jay White's character would work as a tweener. I think he's talented enough to pull it off, but I just don't think that this world needs to live by the heel and face persona that it has for the last 30 years. Yeah. You know, seeing that, that guys that you love are great at being heels is not, is, is doesn't take anything away from the fact that we don't believe that, uh, that wrestling, you know, wrestling necessarily needs faces and heels. You know, the, the, the no. two different, there's two different arguments. Um, 
and it's not just professional wrestling either. It's you know, it's it's other. We become you know more the sophisticated fan of a drama or a comedy, for that matter, or any other kind of entertainment, can look at something and appreciate the character and appreciate complex storytelling and being able to decide for yourself who you want to cheer for. And, you know, we talked about this on our Jessica Jones series. You know, how by the end of that, by the end of that season, we could easily make an argument that the big, bad, the big bad of the entire season was actually Jessica Jones. Well, I mean, if you, know, you look at just go ahead. If if you look at just television these days, what's most popular? What's most popular are shows where the bad guy is the hero of the show and what we're watching. It, you know, kind of started with The Sopranos, and then we had Breaking Bad, and we had um, you know, uh, I can't. What's that motorcycle um, show that was? Sons of Anarchy, yeah, and and so many others. Look at, I mean, now vampires are the good guys. That's going to show. That's going to say, you know, you and I love the originals. You know, that was all about vile uh, yeah. vampires. And we had that with Angel. We had that with, um, you know, uh, um, Vampire Diaries and the originals. You've got so many of these True Bloods. Another one that glorified vampires and made them the heroes. You know, there's so many other shows out there where what has typically been a villain throughout decades and decades are now who we cheer for. And, the, um, and, the, and there's a show that I, you know, that I love that I told you about today that you'd never, I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but I know you've never seen it before called billions where, you know, your main characters are, you know, a billionaire stock investor you know, killing it, killing it on you know on in the stocks, and the U.S. District Attorney who's trying to go after him, um, the U.S. District Attorney's wife, and and you know, and they participate in sadomasochism together, and then um, eventually, the father of the U.S. District Attorney, his boss, the the Secretary of the Treasury, and then his you know then his his underlings, like it all comes together where. where there's no good guy and there's no bad guy, even though even though they work for the government and they're trying to take down, you know, this this uh, stock guy. They're doing it through underhanded means. And, you know, there's there's nobody you really should root for. So the show kind of lays out the story. It's like, OK, so are you going to root for one of these guys or not? But it still keeps you interested enough to keep watching it, you know, whether whether you have whether or not you have a rooting interest or not. So Right. So I just think that it's it's a little bit antiquated to have to say that wrestling has to continue having heels and faces to get over when some of the biggest shows on television were rooting for bad guys for what has typically been bad guys and now they're the heroes. It and like I said, I mean the performances by Lij alone proves that you don't need to be a heel or a face. And, you know, it just. And here's the other thing. How many faces or heels are there on NXT right now? None. <laughs> I and and it's the same thing with um, if you look at Okada's matches over the last six months to a year, has he played either a heel or a face in any of them? No, he's just Okada. 
Yeah, he's, I mean, against Jay White, he was maybe favoring a little more towards the face side against, uh, um, but ser- literally everybody else, he's just kind of, you know, against Omega, he was more of the heel. Uh, but against everyone else, he's just kind of Okada. He's not a heel or a face. You know, and that's the same. That's the same way Naito's been for the last few years. That's the same way Evil and Sonata have been. That's the same way Takahashi has been. There, it, it's just not necessary in this world. Now, granted, there are some people who are much better as heels, like Jay White and, and Callahan. There's some people that are much MJF. better as faces, and MJF. There are people that are much better as faces, like Cody and um, and Daniel Bryan. But ultimately. Darby the Allen. tweeners, Darby Allen. Well, Darby Allen, I don't know what he is. I, I I look at him more as an antihero. I don't see him as being the rule breaker, but I can see him being one if he needs to be. Okay. And 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 having it be believable. He just hasn't needed to be that yet. Um, and and, but and could you when, and could you tell the complex story they're telling with with Hangman Page right now if you were if you were strictly in a world of heels and faces? Absolutely not. And that, that was the next guy I was going to say. Both, uh, you know, we've got Omega, who's clearly playing the face right now, but in his feud against Moxley, he had moments of heel tendencies where he was kind of more of a tweener than a face. You know, the Bucks have been kind of back and forth on whether they're a heel or a face, depending on who they're, who they're up against. You know, against Lucha Brothers, they were clearly the faces. Against SCU and, and um, against... Omega and Page, they've kind of had heel, some heel tactics. Oh, come on. SCU so, are the biggest heel tag team on the planet right now. <laughs> Just because you hate them doesn't mean they're heels. <laughs> they are to me, um, damn it. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's, and that's just the way you look at it. That's, that's the way it should be. You should be allowed to like who you want, not just because they're telling you these are the good guys. You know, and, and that's that's why I, I've been we've been saying this for years. I think the time of heel and faces, while it still has a place at times for certain characters, it's not should not be the go to anymore. It just shouldn't. No, I mean the, the last time that I can really remember there being a heel face dynamic in NXT, you know, I mentioned because I mentioned them was when it was Gargano versus Ciampa. Which is still one of the greatest feuds of all time. Yeah, I mean, and you could argue Shayna Baszler versus um, Rhea Ripley, but if you look at that match, the crowd was torn between who who they wanted to cheer for. But if you also look at the um, the Champa uh, Gargano storyline and actually look at it, yes, Gargano was playing the babyface, Champa clearly the heel, but during their matches, during their promos during every part of it those two were almost inseparable on what they were whether they were heel or face because gargano came out there and said some things that just should not have been said by a face and and champa had his moments where the crowd was actually getting behind him because of his ability i suppose that's true and then, and then you know eventually champa eventually you know johnny gargano got driven crazy to the point where he became a heel briefly and then he ended up turning on Champa, you know, right before Champa got injured. So I mean, there there was a whole lot of 
dynamic to that. It wasn't a strictly heel versus face dynamic. It was a, a feud of the century, probably one of the greatest feuds of all time. But I wouldn't necessarily say, I mean, Ciampa, Ciampa was pegged as the heel. Gargano was pegged as the baby face. But ultimately, when you take a look at that feud and the matches and the, and the promos and the way the whole thing played out, those were just two guys who hated each other. Neither one of them was a good guy. Neither one of them was a bad guy. They just did not like each other. That is correct. And, you know, speaking of, uh, and I do want to say that there was one more thing that was that I felt was stupid that was said on um, this busted open busted open episode I, I listened to, which was that Adam Cole was a wrestler of the year in 2019. I think he deserved a top ten spot. I think, but I don't think he was wrestler of the year. Absolutely not. There's no way you can say that even looking at the WWE roster that he was the wrestler of the year. No, I, and I and that's how I feel too. And I and I feel like, I, uh, it, and I feel like I feel like Dave LaGreca saying that was a lot of um, what do you call that? A recency bias, where you know he well, had and run, I think he had the great run in November, and you know, he, and he had that great run towards the end of the year where where you know you could if you if you don't think about what happened earlier in the year then maybe you could have that opinion but i don't but I, but you know and and you know part of part of mine is i didn't is i didn't love his matches with gargano the way that you loved the you know i loved the second the second one i think is the one i loved right yeah i loved the second one but i didn't i didn't love i loved all three of them you but... no you did not love the hell in a cell or that that three stages of hell oh the three stages not. of hell no you're right i didn't love that but the other the, but, the but, first but, two but, matches but, i absolutely loved but... did and I would not have put either one of those two in my top ten for last year. I mean, starting out, I thought Gargano had a run at it. But towards the end of the year, he really faltered. Um, and I think Cole, while he was probably, if I if I sat down and legitimately looked at it, I think I could have made a case for him being top ten. But I don't even think he was the best wrestler. Not It doesn't even, not even WWE. I don't even think he was the best wrestler in NXT. That goes Shayna Baszler. Nobody had a better year in NXT than Shayna Baszler did last year as far as match performances, as far as character development, as far as just everything. That Shayna Baszler had the best year out of the bunch last year. Yeah. And you, you know the, the, that's the thing is is I I would not, you know, I would have um argued with you to the ends of the earth if you had said something like that to me 2 years ago. But but now, you know, I'm starting to I'm kind of like starting to fall in line with other people where I don't know that we. I don't know that we really want to separate top guy versus top woman anymore. You know, and no, Shana we Beesler, can't. You know, was definitely in my top five professional wrestlers on the planet last year, and definitely the top, the top in anything I saw in WWE. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that too. I mean, I didn't watch enough WWE to really say. I know Daniel Bryan had a hell of a run. I know AJ is just always. In that, even at his age, is still just always in that dialogue. Um, Rollins, you know, I know Seth. Too, so. No, Rollins had a down year last year. It was the year before he was amazing. Okay. Yeah, last year, last year he really had a down year. But 2018, he was definitely in that top ten. In fact, I even think I had him in my top ten. Wait, wait, which, I, yeah, was was it 2018 where he had that great one running as Intercontinental Champion? Yeah. Yeah, okay. last year right. he was a universal right. champion and really had some duds, and he opened his mouth too much on social media, and just he had issues last year. Okay. Remember, la remember last year was when he said that he was uh, that his bank book, that his checkbook was better than Will Ospreay's, so he was a better wrestler because of it. 
Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. So, I so Rollins did not have a good year last year, but, but I mean, he's also well, we in the conversation. Eventually. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Fucking Becky Lynch. Um, <laughs> I, I swear well, to God, now, now you're the one that you're, you're the one that said that. I didn't say that the entire show, and now you said it right at the well, end. <laughs> yeah, I, I I slipped up a few other times too, but I and I mean I swear to you, and I think I said it when we were watching it when she entered that Royal Rum or when she entered that arena. I swear to God, Becky Lynch has gotten hotter over the last couple of years. I don't know what it is, but regardless, anyway, uh, you know, so it, it's hard to. Uh, yeah, I can't I can't agree with that. I I'm sorry, Dave. I I can't agree with. Adam Cole being best wrestler in the year, uh, wrestler of the year. You want to say top ten? I'll give you that. I'll even argue that he's the top ten and be able to prove it. But not wrestler of the year. Not when you got guys out there like Osprey and and Callahan and um, Jay White and people like that. It's not not possible. Not, I could probably not, make an argument. There's not ten possible. Guys. I could probably make an argument. There's ten guys in New Japan that had a better year than Adam Cole. But I but I guess but I'm not gonna, I'm not going to bother doing that. No, because that's just too much work, and we're already out of time. <laughs> so, guys, speaking, yeah, speaking, um, speaking of speaking of you know the tag team we talked about a little bit ago. So, before we say SCU later, these people, Jeff, tell tell them where where they can uh, listen to us at. Wow, I haven't heard an SCU later in a long time. Well, except for that, right? So, I guess I did just hear that last week. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, guys, if you're listening to us on Spreaker, we appreciate it. If you're listening to us on Lords of Pain Radio. Net. Also appreciate it. If you're on, if you're on those sites, head over to YouTube. Listen to us on YouTube for this final closing seconds. Hit the like button, subscribe button, ring the notification bell. We do go live twice a week, and we do have an upcoming live exclusive YouTube special coming up next week as well. Patreon.com. That's where the money's made because um, you know, you know, that's I, what I, keeps I, our. I'm sorry, I don't mean, I, I didn't really want to interrupt you here, but am I am I misremembering? Are we not going? To, are we not doing a live YouTube special? Wednesday night, tomorrow night also? We are. I said okay. twice twice a week. Twice right, a week I, we do it live. No, but I thought then, we were doing one for Eminem. YouTube exclusive. Oh, tomorrow. God. Are we? <laughs> <laughs> we can. We can. Well, you you mentioned the Mandalorian that... one, but I thought we had talked about we were going to do the, the, the new Eminem album as well. So. You know, you are right. So I guess, hey, guys, we're going to do a live YouTube special tomorrow night as well. Um, but... Regardless, uh, Patreon.com, that's what helps us keep the door open because you can donate and help us uh, you know, pay the bills, keep the door open, keep bringing you content just by subscribing to a couple of different tiers. Uh, one of the tiers is all of our archives, all the way back to our humble beginnings back in 2014 um, with Excuse the Aggravation was what we called that one and then morphed it into another show called uh, The Realist Guys on the Radio and now into Kingdom of Honor. You can hear us all the way back to then. And we also have a tier that gives you exclusive content. We do exclusive content. In fact, we're doing one right after the show, an exclusive show for our uh, Patreon subscribers, uh, ninth an- Ring of Honor 9th Anniversary show. We do all kinds of stuff on there. There's uh, a uh, we called it Wrecked with Wrestlers, which was basically a legacy series where we took a look at one wrestler's career, picked some matches that we really loved out of it, and uh, we got, what, four or five under our belt before we got derailed by uh, Shane Helms and then started on an extreme 
tour of ECW's early days and looking at all their specials and pay-per-views. And that kind of got put on hold so we could talk a little bit about Jessica Jones and some other movies and things that are exclusive on YouTube or on, uh, I'm sorry, on Patreon as well. And tonight we're going to start running through Ring of Honor shows as well. So lots of exclusive content. The only place you can hear it is on patreon.com slash kingdom of honor from patreon you can get to our youtube channel which is us right here and you can also get to my twitter which is uh, at regi co-op his twitter it's at zanman lop we use hashtag dad and hashtag koh for everything and make sure you stay tuned to the, all the other lop radio shows uh tomorrow as jeff said we'll be going live with dynamite after dark right after dynamite goes off the air we are your live reaction show here on lop radio and lop uh youtube channel and on, also tomorrow is Sports Entertainment is Dead. I think there's maybe one or two more weeks of that show before it goes off the air for good. On Thursday, we have MSLP Radio Adventure. On Friday, no more right side of the pond, but we do have NWA Power, the Legacy Series. And then Jeff and I will be back with you next Tuesday, again, talking about... Actually, we're talking about uh, New Beginning in Osaka. So... And whatever else Bully Ray says. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hadn't listened to Busted Open for like two months or three months, so, you know, I kind of wanted to tune in and see what he thought, and boy, am I glad I did. Um, (laughs) Yeah, give us a half hour. (laughs) Anyway, that's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights, and Jeff saying... Goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye, and good night. Bang! <laughs>